There's something outside. What is that? Monster X Radio. And of course, in the studio with me now is the one, the only, Thomas Steenberg. How are you? How are you doing, Julie? This is our 29th episode. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Where does the time go, I tell you? It flies. It flies. <laughs> and I'm not younger. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you. <laughs> well, I guess we're surviving the summer so far. You guys have had some uh, some bad fires up there in your neck of the woods. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We had a whole town burned down not too far from here. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it's been, you guys had that heat wave before that, so you can't catch a break. It was the heat wave that caused it. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'll tell you, it's uh, been pretty hot here, but that's the standard in North Carolina. I mean, you just, mm. you just but don't worry. In November and December, we'll be saying, "Geez, was it ever nice in July?" I mean, <laughs> <laughs> true that. And I'll have mm-hmm. my toes in the sand over here, so I guess I can't <laughs> complain too much, but. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you what we have um Mr. Bill Reed in the studio with us tonight who is a good friend of Thomas's by the way. And uh let's go ahead and bring him in into the studio. Bill, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. How are you guys doing? Doing good. We're I'm, looking forward to I'm the still show. buzzing along there, Bill. <laughs> now, Bill, you were you're born uh, you're from Vancouver, correct? That's correct. Yeah, so um I got me a couple Canadian folks in the studio. I'm kind of outnumbered tonight, so um I'll be nice. Let's see now, you know, um you you became interested in Sasquatch when you were five or six years old. Uh, tell me how what happened to get you interested in this whole phenomena. Basically, um, even before I was in kindergarten, I was interested in dinosaurs. And then that led me to reading about the Loch Ness Monster, which, you know, when I was a kid, I thought was a plesiosaur. And then from the Loch Ness Monster, it sort of just got into all things cryptid. 
And then when I found out that, you know, we had this monster in the woods just right in my backyard, it was like, well, <laughs> we got to find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No kidding. And you um, you were reading some of John Green's stuff back in the early 70s. Yeah, my, uh, for uh, those who don't know who John Green is. Yeah, very. Oh, go ahead. He, he's, he, on the West Coast here, John, you know, John John Green is is uh, you know mythical proportions down in Sasquatch research. But yeah, my one grandmother, when I was nine years old back in uh, 1974, gave me John Green's uh, book on the track of Sasquatch, which uh, I still have to this day. Um, and luckily enough. Thomas introduced me to John a few years before he passed away, and I was able to get to John to autograph that book. So now it has mm. double meaning. It you know came from my grandmother, and and John autographed it. So uh, as long as I'm around, it's going to be around. <laughs> hmm. Wow. I'm jealous. So you you've been uh, kind of anticipating what is this creature all about for for many years so um now did you see the um god the name of the stupid movie i can't even think of what it is now for some reason it always escapes me about the falc monster oh the legend, legend of boggy, the legend creek. Of boggy yes, creek yes yes i i saw that yes. in the movie theater <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you, you did I, and I think a, I think for no. Thomas in my generation, you you had to have seen that movie at some point in time in the in the theaters. It was it's almost required viewing, right? And I'll tell you, there was nothing like it. I'll it scared the living bejesus out of me that part <laughs> when when his arm came through the window. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I mean we we kind of our generation kind of grew up on these stories, um, not just in books but in the cinema. You know, they were coming out with interesting uh, movies about these cryptids and um, all this fascinating stuff. So you know, it, it would just make sense that you know we're all very interested in this. Um, let's see. So then you. You had actually investigated when you were in your 20s, or? Yeah, basically what happened with me is when I was, just before I turned eight, we moved out to the Fraser Valley, and I had, you know, basically, we had a little hobby farm, but next to that we had a parcel of 20 acres that then led off to basically hundreds of acres of, we call it crown land, which would, in the States, would be the same as, you know, state public land, and... You know, then in the 70s, you'd, you'd pack up your stuff in the morning and head out. And I wasn't always looking for Sasquatch, but I spent a lot of time in the woods. And then when I got a little bit older, I got the, uh, you know, mini bike. And you'd be doing the mini bike through all the trails. And and uh, once I got driving and I had a four-wheel drive, or first it was a pickup, we did a lot of camping, hunting, four-wheel driving, that sort of thing. And always when I was out, you know, I may not have been specifically looking for a Sasquatch, but I was always looking for signs, always looking for, you know, footprints, 
that sort of thing. And it was basically something that was, you know, almost always on my mind. Mhm. Well, did you ever find any signs of anything? I I never found anything that would stand up to critical looking at over the years. Like I never I never saw any tracks that I thought were clear enough to say, yeah, that's Sasquatch. Um, you know, I, I don't. I never, and that, and this is what led part of what led me to be a skeptic, is, you know, after looking, you know, most of my teeth, you know, teenage life, when I got into my early twenties, have spent, you know, at that time, a, you know, a lifetime sort of hunting, fishing, that sort of stuff, and not seeing any sign, I sort of thought, you know what, if the, if they were around, we would have found them by now, and that's at that point, you know, I stopped believing. And it wasn't like one day I woke up and said, I don't think they exist. It was just a slow progression over time that I went from thinking, hey, we're going to have one in the zoo in 10 years to I, I don't think they exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is quite mind-blowing that uh, these large eight-foot bipedal creatures live in the forest, and we still can't prove it. It's just it makes no sense. Um, but then we have, you know, hundreds of people every year claim that they're seeing these things. So, um, interesting. So now I know that you and Thomas, um, why don't you tell us how you, you met Thomas Steenberg? This should be a good story. (laughs) Oh boy. Thomas and I both live in a small town called Mission, which is sort of the beginning of the Fraser Valley. And I guess it was probably 12, 13 years ago. I was actually in my car with my my two kids, and I forget where we were going. And I see this old Land Rover drive by, and I've always loved old Land Rovers. And I'm looking at this Land Rover, and then I see on the side Sasquatch Research. And it was like, wow, there's the double whammy. Somebody driving an old convertible <laughs> Land Rover, and they're a Sasquatch researcher. You know, I gotta meet this guy. <laughs> 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 and uh, I guess it was probably about uh, six or eight months later where um, I actually met Tom. You know, I met Thomas, and uh, that was what Thomas about eleven years ago, twelve years ago, something like that. Yeah, yeah, roughly around there, yeah. I guess around 2006, really, 2005, 2006. Uh, uh, Maybe even a little before then. I'm not just... uh, we're getting old. <laughs> yeah, we're getting cold. old fast. <laughs> you were you were uh, doing some uh, debating somebody on the old mission hoax that occurred down around here at the time. Yeah, I was on the old Bigfoot forums and I uh, was de- de- having a debate with somebody about the mission hoax. And uh, Thomas invited me over to his place because he had a book that had a picture of the of the suit in it. So uh, you know, I went down to his place and we chatted. And then I think after that, we met a couple of times, you know, for for dinner. And 
you know, now we we're probably what at least once a week we see each other. Wow. So yeah, you Bill, guys Bill's go out in the field together? Oh yeah. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Cool. We have uh, many times, and uh, Bill is our uh, resident skeptic, but not closed-minded. And far as I'm concerned, a healthy dose of skepticism is the best quality a researcher can have. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, totally agree with that. And the funny thing is, is, is sometimes when, when uh, Thomas and I are, are debating the merits of a case, a lot of times, or I should say a lot of times, but some of the times, because Thomas really wants to stick to the facts, sometimes, in my opinion, and Thomas knows this, he'll sometimes stack the deck a little bit against, like he'll give a little more credence that it could be a hoax or something like that. And this is where I think there's, there's basically four of us in this group that we all talk back and forth, and I think we really bounce ideas off each other. Sometimes when we're talking, I'm almost you know, almost sound like the proponent trying to say to Thomas, well, yeah, you're right. That could be a hoax, but on the balance of probabilities. And I think, and I think you'd agree, Thomas, that because we both, you know, the whole group, we, we go in a circle and we, and we debate both sides of the issue from both points of view. I, I think it gives us, a, at the end of the day, it gives us a better, I think there's more critical thinking and it gives us a, a better view on, on, the, on the actual incident. Absolutely, absolutely, and and when the ends sort of meet, and uh, you're still left wondering, gee, I uh, can't really explain this one away. Maybe there's something to it. That's what ca- that's kept me going for forty years. Yeah, and you talked about you know having um, being a healthy skeptic and using common sense and uh, sticking to the facts. And I I tell you, it it doesn't seem like there's a lot of that going on. And the overall, you know, there's some really good investigators out there and investigative groups. Um, But in general, it seems like anything and everything that is out in the woods is a Bigfoot. Well, the biggest problem with this research, yes, you are right. There are good researchers and are good groups, but there's a hell of a lot more weird ones. Uh, I like to say, uh, you've heard me say this before, uh, the Sasquatch field today more resembles an asylum that's been taken over by the inmates. So yeah. that's why I always uh, always had the personal philosophy of sticking to the facts and never deviating the facts. Sometimes I'm a little too stringent on that. And guys like Bill and stuff keep me seeing the other point of view. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think, you know, when you're looking at it, and I had a discussion with uh, another friend of ours a little while ago about skepticism. And skepticism is not saying, I doubt this happened, prove it to me. Mm-hmm. What, what skepticism is, you go into, look at the evidence from a neutral position. You examine the evidence, listen to the report, whatever it is, and then on the balance of probabilities, you say, well, do you think that's 
evidence for existence or not. And because we all have our own personal biases in it, and everybody does, it's just our own worldview, we, and when we try to do it, you're doing your best to be neutral. And that's where having a group like when, with you know Thomas, myself, and the other two gentlemen when we're talking, even though we're friends, we all have that little bit different of a worldview, that little bit of different point of reference. And when we're discussing something, we can point those out. And, and you know, because we all know and respect each other, we, we can we can be frank when in the discussions. And sometimes, if you're an outsider, you might think, "Oh my God, are they coming to blows?" But <laughs> nothing <laughs> like you know, nothing like that. It's just that we're being open and honest. And at the end, and sometimes we don't build consensus, but at least we can say, "Okay, we agree to disagree." But Again, the rational thought is I don't – you're going in neutral. Too many investigators, in my opinion, either A, they're, they're believers and they use confirmational bias and they'll see evidence mm-hmm. that confirms to their own belief so they won't look at it neutrally and it automatically is evidence for. Plus you have some people out there that are you know, non-believers – that don't believe in Sasquatch, and they'll take the position of, I know that this is, they don't exist. I know they're not real. So when you are telling me your evidence, you have to prove it to me. And again, they're using their own confirmational bias because anything that doesn't fit their worldview, they're going to ignore. And in both cases, whether you're the proponent that is just looking for evidence to support your your view or you're a skeptic that is just using it to support your view that they don't exist, you're not really a researcher or you're not a good researcher. In my opinion, if you want to be a good researcher, you can believe or not believe, but when you're doing the actual uh, looking at the evidence, you go from a neutral position, follow the evidence, and where the evidence leads you, that's the conclusion you should have. Mhm. Yeah. Well, you know that makes sense because if you if you were to say, for example, you you see some tracks um, out there somewhere, and all of a sudden, you know, I've heard this said over and over and over many times. Somebody's following these tracks, and all of a sudden, they just ended. I mean, how do you how do you deduct something like that when when you hear that, or if you know, if you came upon something like that, what would you? I mean, how would you explain that? Well, again, it, a lot depends on the circumstances. Like one time when uh, in the four of us were out in the in the uh, doing some research, we came across a single moose track, and it was in in some hard packed dirt, and the area around it was probably about thirty. 35 feet diameter, it was all clear. So there should have been lots of moose track there. But what we surmised when we did some you know, investigating is there was a little depression there. So probably what happened is that was the last little bit of, of a puddle that it was still there, and the rest of the ground had probably dried. The moose came through, stepped in the puddle, which was the only piece that, that, that had some mud in it, 
walked off and then the puddle dried up and that's how could you had the one footprint so would you look yeah that's at excellent Sasquatch, so yeah so when you're looking at Sasquatch, you have to look at the sighting in totality now if you were say following a trackway in snow and it went you know 100 steps and then all of a sudden the snow field that suddenly vanished i wouldn't have an explanation and, and and as a researcher, sometimes you have to say, you know what, I don't know. And you can sometimes you'll just put that away to the side and say, okay, when more evidence comes down, I'm going to reexamine it. Or when I learn more, I may reexamine it. But we don't always have to have the answer. We can say evidence for, evidence that does not support, and evidence that I just do not know what it is. Mhm. Well, I like the way you you, you said um, about the explanation for that. I mean, that completely makes sense, and it's that type of thinking and rationale, and um, you know, just not assuming. Oh my God, it must it must have cloaked, you know, <laughs> and disappeared and flew back to Mars, or you know, whatever people are. Uh, but see that's how that's how all this stuff gets started. Um, somebody sees some tracks, all of a sudden they end and there's no more tracks. Oh my god, it had to you know, it's a paranormal event. No, it's probably something like you just said, Bill, that would make way more sense on a scientific level. You know, it's it's a really great case for common sense. Yeah, and, and that and that's also where you know, again, at your, the, the toolkit you have as a researcher that you you bring with you. And again, I, I grew up hunting, fishing, that sort of thing. So when I'm out there, that's the same sort of mindset I have. Whereas somebody that maybe didn't have that upbringing, they might not have that same skill set. They may have to develop it and learn it over time. But one of the best things is... Uh, you know, Okanagan uh, Bigfoot, and who should change his name to Sasquatch, right, Thomas? Well, that's right. <laughs> he he did that examination of those tracks in the snow from uh, this past winter that you know, were were thought to be Sasquatch tracks, and he went to the site. You know, and he did an excavation in the snow beside it, and was able to conclusively prove that they were actually moose tracks. You know, he did. You know the you know, the guy is, you know, he has his woods knowledge. He knows how to track and use those basic skills instead of saying, I'm going to take this at face value. I'm going to go there, investigate myself. And and, and he did what I thought was a, a, a really excellent job. And he did a video on it on excavating and showing how they removed all the top snow and got down to the bottom track where it's clearly a moose track. And people have wow. to be able to they, – they, they have to take that effort. I mean, you could have – you know, other people that maybe were not as scientifically minded or as, as some people call as stubborn, they may have just gone out there, looked at the tracks from the surface, and from the surface, yeah, they could have been bipedal, and it could have been, you know, bigger. But he, you know, did the – went that extra step and said, I want to find out. And it was, you know, a fair bit of effort on his part, but it, resu- it, it resulted in what I think were first-class uh, results. 
Yes, his name is Leon Thompson of Okanagan Bigfoot. He did the follow-up investigation and proved conclusively that this were, these were not bipedal Sasquatch prints. They were actually the hoof marks of a moose. And, boy, when he announced that, that a lot of people in the so-called Sasquatch field want to hang him for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Matt Moneymaker uh, called these tracks the greatest track find of 2020 without any follow-up. Well, Leon did the follow-up and said, sorry, they're moose tracks. And a lot of people just didn't want to hear it. Same sort of thing happened with the Chehalis sounds when we saw Coyote make the sounds. So many people just didn't want to hear it. Mm. And, and you know, and that's where you know a researcher like like Thomas, you really have to stand your ground because it's a little bit different now. But and I and I don't know how it is in the U.S. I know a little bit because I, you know, my my job takes me to the U.S. quite a bit. But for years in in, in Canada, if you were a researcher, people and you know they sort of quirked an eye at you and thought, okay, you know, he's he's obviously has some uh, some issues. But it <laughs> takes somebody that that's that's strong-willed to say, you know, I really don't care what people think. This is some this is a subject that fascinates me, and you research it. But then when you have, you know, people that are supposedly quote unquote in your own community that attack you for delivering the truth as as you find it, you know, you, it, it's it's almost like sometimes you go like, you know, why am I doing this? I mean, the people out, mm-hmm. outside of the research, they think I'm nuts. And the people inside the research, you know, get choked when I you know, when I go against the grain and go, give them the truth. And, uh, you know, if you want to be a good researcher, you just have to have that, you know, thick skin and, and just uh, do what you think is right. You know you're doing a good job if the skeptical world and the, those who absolutely believe world are both mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> right. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. And they've both been mad at me for a long time. <laughs> but hey, that's it. We're supposed to be researchers. We're supposed to try supposed to be trying to find an answer to a question, to find an answer to a mystery. We are not out to disprove and disregard everything and we're not religious leaders trying to push a faith. Uh there's just far too mm-hmm. much of that. Uh, far too much of that. And what I love about Bill is he's 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 got a skeptical mind. But he doesn't have a closed mind, and he believes in investigation and follow-up, and that's what I like. You know, for for me, you know, this is sort of my 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 sort of uh, quote, for want of a better word, or philosophy. I don't want Sasquatch to exist. I don't want Sasquatch not to exist. I just want to know the answer. Mm-hmm. And that's that's my simple philosophy. Yeah, that's good. Cool. I'm going to steal well, that yeah, one, okay? That, yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, there's 
people that I know who have had encounters that were just absolutely terrified from it and have, you know, some would call symptoms of almost like a PTSD situation from what they saw, what that happened to them, what they encountered. Um, <clears throat> so for me, see, that's, that's what keeps me so interested in it is knowing people in my own personal life who have been affected so much by this that I, I got to I have to know, I want to know, you know, it, it just drives me mad because, um, if these things exist, I, I, I really want it to be proven, um, for the benefit of the people who have had encounters that people think they're nuts and they can't talk about it to many people and they live in, you know, fear. Some of them don't go back to the woods for years after they see something like that. So, um, you know, to me, that's one reason why it's so important is just is for the other people who have been affected by it. Well, that's basically where I look at it, Julie. I, I want to know if they exist or not. If they do, I want to prove it. And if they don't, I'd like to see proof of that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Thomas and I, we interviewed a gentleman uh, about two years ago now that had a sighting, and in his sighting, I mean, it wasn't an up-close and personal one. The, the Sasquatch never never acted aggressively to him um, with, with his sighting, but he was, and, and he spoke to us about a month after the fact, three weeks after the fact, he was still absolutely broken up over it, and he was concerned that cause it was not far from his, where his, and he was you know, he was an older guy that lived, you know, lived in uh, Vancouver, but his parents lived out by Harrison uh, Harrison Lake, and he used to spend weekends out there at his parents' place. And he was concerned that he was not going to be able to go in their backyard anymore because he was so scared and upset over his sighting. And and it, you know, if that guy was lying to us. He he did an Oscar-winning performance because mm-hmm. you know there, there's and and the thing is is in our group in our group of, of researchers you know we have you know Brad who's you know gone on record for, with Thomas Brad had a sighting um, I've got a brother-in-law that had a very good sighting and you know and and it's funny how how they react in that. Brad understands that I can say to him, you know, given the circumstances of his sighting, if Sasquatch exists, I believe he saw one. If Sasquatch don't exist, I don't have an explanation for him. He can understand that I'm not calling him a liar. And yet my my brother-in-law can't understand that. He feels that because... He's seen one, and I know he's not a liar, and I don't automatically believe his story to be that that's what exists. You know, he thinks that you know I'm calling him a liar, and it and it and it really bothers him. So, you know, and I, and I understand how people can could think that, but again, as a researcher, when you're using just science, you know, the scientific method, and there's more than one scientific method, but when you're using you know, following the, the research, 
anecdotal evidence is not concrete. And you can put it aside and say, okay, this story is evidence towards existence. But for me, myself personally, anecdotal evidence won't sway me to, to believe that Sasquatch exists. I need the physical evidence. Now, I can fully understand how somebody else could look at the same research I have and reach a different conclusion. They may say anecdotal evidence is, is more important to them than what I give it. And they could say, yeah, I look at the evidence, same evidence that you have, Bill, but you're wrong. I believe it's enough to say that Sasquatch exists and lay it out. And that, and that, the other part of it is you have to you have to be willing to say reasonable people can look at the same evidence and reach different conclusions. And until the final answer is is, is found out, you can both still be reasonable. And that doesn't mean you know, one of you is an idiot or, or whatever. You know, there's, you, you just re, had a different conclusion after researching the evidence. And, that's and one of those Sasquatch, that's all sorts of things. Yeah. The one thing we can say with definite 100% conviction is there is a phenomena. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something yes, is seen and reported. It's what that something is that we're trying to find out. Interesting. And if, yeah, and if it's not a, a living, breathing, uh, flesh and blood animal, there has to be other explanations for it. And a good researcher has to accept the possibility that in the end, no matter what you believe, you could turn out to be wrong. And you also have to you have mm. to be willing to accept that there may be, and there probably is, multiple answers to the phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Yes, a certain amount of them is going to be nonsense. A certain amount of them may be deception. But there's a, a large number of them that it's not going to fall into the nonsense category. It's not going to fall into the deception category. It's going to fall into different categories. And the research is to find out what those categories are. Is it, is it a living being? A living being? Is it something else? And it could quite, often, quite be that something that, you know, maybe that Thomas and I don't believe is possible. I mean, maybe the, and I, and I do not believe it for a second, but maybe some of the woo people are right. Um, again, I don't believe that for a second, but at the end of the day, if we ever find an answer, I think there's going to be multiple answers to the questions, and at least some of them are going to be answers that we that nobody probably thought of. Yes, and mm-hmm. I'm willing to I'd admit and accept the possibility that even though I'm strictly zoological, if I ever do see a Sasquatch a pop out of a a wormhole from the fourth dimension, I won't keep it to myself. I'll say I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, you know, it's um, it's just so fascinating how uh, where this all goes um, with some people 
and 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 certain groups where it's almost like a cult, like a cult-like mentality, um, hanging on every word that that person says, believing everything that they say. You know, there's certain people who um, are in this group that they they believe that <clears throat> the Sasquatch shape-shifted from trees and just weird stuff like that. And it's like that has nothing to do with scientific research. Nothing. No, and and you're right. And I, you know, there are some groups where the it, it is a cult. I mean, there's, you know, I, I remember, suppose uh, what a year ago, there's this group where this gentleman, and I use the term loosely, talks about two different, you know, talks about two different types of Sasquatch that are, and I don't know if they're alien or if they're interdimensional or whatever they are, but one's good and one's bad. And he actually had a woman that was dying of cancer that was in a cot sleeping outside of his house during the, the, the colder months for a while because this good Sasquatch was going to cure her of her cancer. And mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that, that is, I mean, obviously that's, that's the far crazy section of, 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 you know, the, the community for want of a better word, but, you know, there are people out there that are treating it like that. And, and when you do the look at the various groups, I mean, there's groups, there are people that will tell you 100% they're demons. Others will tell you they're right. an F one. You know, you, you name it. And, and what's interesting about the phenomenon, and, you know, Thomas and I debate about this quite a bit, is I've had a, a bit of a fascination for dogmen for a number of years now. And for me, it's, when, I, when I first went to university back in the 80s, I was, I, was in, I was studying anthropology. And I'd be looking at the dogman phenomenon really from the anthro, you know, cultural anthropology uh, aspect. And the same, <coughs> excuse me, the same sort of thing that you have in the Sasquatch world, I've watched over the last 10 years develop sort of in the dogman world. You know, I know they, there's old stories that have been around in certain areas like the Michigan dogman and things like that. But when you look over the last 10 years and you follow how it's been on, on the Internet for being absolutely very few people knew anything about it, to now you're, you're getting sightings all over. And, of course, explanations are all across the board where there's multiple different types. Some are, you know, some are demonic, some aren't. And it mirrors the Sasquatch group so closely, it, it's not even funny. And I, I think, you know, I think for somebody that's been paying attention, you could almost see the same sort of thing that that's more mature in the Sasquatch group because it's been around for, for decades. You can see it building in the, in the dog band group. Mm. Yeah, I'm personally... Um, all the years I've looked in the Sasquatch, I never had a single person ever 
anywhere ever report to me a dogman encounter until Linda Goffrey published that book, The Beast of Bray Road, and suddenly they're all over the place. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, it's funny I how that works. Report. Yeah. Yeah, now, I, I do remember old stories from French Canada, Quebec, about, but they didn't use the term dogman. They used the Lugaru and things like that. And, and uh, But until that book came out, you rarely heard anything about it, and now it's just all over the place. It's, uh, it's incredible. kind of reminds me of what happened to the Sasquatch. Well, it happened in Canada a lot earlier, but when, uh, when Bigfoot... When Sasquatch got its popular American name, Bigfoot, that just exploded all over the place. Even though there were reports and stories long before then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it is. It is wow. an interesting subject. And, and my oldest daughter, who's 30s now, when she. <coughs> She what she when she was at university her her major was history with a minor in uh, anthropology, and she used to attend our sat we used to have before COVID we used to meet two three times a month to have either breakfast or lunch with a bunch of us that are all interested in Sasquatch, and she used to join us because she always said she was going to do a thesis not on Sasquatch but on Sasquatch researchers because you know the the, we're, we're an interesting bunch, according to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we always feel like when she's around, we're kind of being analyzed. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, I mean, where where do you guys think the... Um, where do you think all this is heading to? Do you think that there is a possibility that they're going to be able to prove the existence of these things once and for all? If if the hard evidence or uh, concrete evidence is ever found, i.e. a body or piece of a body, the slow process of confirmation will happen and Sasquatch will be removed from the world of cryptozoology and added to the world of everyday zoology. If it doesn't exist, it never did, it will carry on as it always has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what, I, what I think will happen is, and I think we're starting to see a little bit of it now, when Finding Bigfoot first came out this, the show, that really brought the popularity of Sasquatch up in that was an explosion of people interested in it. And it, to me, it reminds me a lot of the of the 70s when you had, you know, Chariots of the Gods come out and, mm-hmm. yeah, and you had the books on the Bermuda Triangle and people got into that. And I think what you're seeing now is is a lot of those mainstream people, they're, they're moving away from Sasquatch. Some of them are moving towards the dog then because it's the bigger, scarier, nastier thing out in the woods. And I think if this, I think the trend's going to go back, and you're going to have just sort of the core people that are interested in it again. And I think when that happens, it's, it's going to help research to a large degree. But at the end, I, I agree with like I don't think we'll ever be able to prove that Sasquatch does not exist, because no matter what you do, so, you know, somebody's going to come up with a reason on why that's not acceptable. 
Now, you might be able to prove it to yourself. I think Thomas has a plan that he said if it ever happened, it would prove it to him. But I think his general, you know, to prove it to everybody, you could never do it. But to prove it to everyone that they do exist, you know, a body would do it. And I also think that environmental DNA, you know, mm-hmm. down the road, if it's successful, might do it. Now, and I know right now the first thing people are going to say is, while it's so expensive, you can't afford it. Well, in the 80s, you and I couldn't afford to get our DNA tested. Now we can spend 120 bucks or whatever and go to 23andMe or one of those places and get it tested. Mm-hmm. The cost for environmental mm-hmm. DNA testing is going to decrease over time. And maybe you know, we might not be able to pin that DNA to a certain creature, but if you were to look at, say, we did environmental DNA testing, and I'm just throwing these names out. Let's say somebody did it at Bluff Creek. And they came up and, hey, there's a strange DNA in here that seems to be related to primate, but we don't know what it is. <clears throat> and then at Mount St. Helena, they do an environmental DNA study, and you get something that's similar. And then somebody does it in, you know, let's, let's say New Jersey or whatever, and they get the same thing. <clears throat> so now if you're getting... You know, environmental DNA, they're showing that you have a DNA signature that is very similar in all these different places that is not, you know, linked to any creature that we know exists. You'd have to say, okay, that DNA is not lying. You have patterns developed, and maybe at that time, science would get involved to a large degree. Or government funding or whoever would get involved in it. But that may be maybe further down the road an option. But I think, like Thomas says, unless one's hit by a train or a truck or something like that and a body's found or somebody finds a dead body somewhere, um, I don't know if we'll get, you know, I don't think we'll ever get universal acceptance that they exist. And if they don't exist, I don't think we'll ever be able to prove it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I yeah. like what you said about the the testing. Um, I know that there has been some uh, tests done by independent uh, laboratories for some investigative um, teams, and they have gotten back unknown primate. It's always an unknown primate. Um, what's interesting, though, again, of course, unless you have a subject to compare the DNA to, then that, all they're going to say is it's unknown primate. But once you start getting this particular DNA that matches the other unknown primate that showed up on the other side of the country, you know, then it gets a little well, bit I, harder to dismiss. That has happened. Mm-hmm. Dr. Gerald Lowenstein in the late 1990s had two samples, one from California and one from Colorado. He said the were identical, and he said uh, it's it's either higher primate, it reacts positively in some manner with chimpanzee and reacts some positively with human. So we either got a man out here with very odd problems, or there's uh, a couple of chimpanzees running loose with very odd problems, or we got something new that's rather similar to both. And, of course, since that time, there's been other samples brought in that have also been concluded to be higher primate of unknown source. 
But it's like you said, there's no Sasquatch to compare it to, and that's the best they can absolutely tell you now when it comes to DNA. So yeah, that's, the thing is that's, with the environmental DNA, Thomas, with nowadays what they can do, especially, and again, right now they're not doing it because of the expense, but you can get to the point where you can start developing genomes. Yes, I was going to say that. Yeah, it's improved a lot since the 1990s. The odds are the problem is back in those days, Lowenstein had to grind up the whole sample in order to get that result, so it was lost. That is not necessary Mm. anymore. Yeah, that is not necessary anymore. It was then. It isn't now. (laughs) So so it is an exciting thing. You know, you know, it is an exciting time when you're a researcher. I mean, and then this is, all, you know, part of why I I do not believe that Sasquatch exists is because I is it the what I consider right now a distinct lack of evidence. I mean, when you when you look at the best evidence for Sasquatch that we have today is a jumpy, crappy film that was taken in 1967. You know, the PGF, after all these years, is still the gold standard. And, you know, since then, with with all the developments, we've never had anything that's come close to that. And, you know, there's more cameras around now than at any time in history. And we have more people driving on highways, cutting through through areas than we've ever had in history. And, you know, there's no body. There's no better mm-hmm. picture. There's no, you know, satellite photography hasn't shown anything. You know, Google Maps, when somebody's been driving around in their Google car, you know, taking pictures mm-hmm. for, their, for the street view, nothing. Yeah, you know, the wildlife right. crossings in the national parks. They've gotten video footage of every animal we know is there, except the one we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that just, oh, my God, I can't wrap my head around it some days. I'm like, what? You know, you <laughs> think there would be something. Um, it, it does get frustrating, but, you know. When you look at it that way. And you look at it that way, and the things we just described, I can't understand why I still believe in the in the existence of the Sasquatch. And then I remember back those tracks that I investigated in '86. I can't explain them away. That figure I saw in 2004, I can't explain that away. Well, I can, but not with any 100% confidence. Right. So then you're mm-hmm. stuck with this. What is it that I saw? You know what? You know what it wasn't. That's mm-hmm. what you saw. You ruled out that it was a moose. You ruled out this or that. So it, then it, you come right back. It just gnaws at you. You know, you, you want to know. You want to know the answer. You I, all. You know, when a lot of times we talk about the old timers, um, all the work that they put into it, all the, uh, you know, years and hours and, and everything that they've done, John Green, the Hendon, you know, I would love to see something happen where if they do exist, that they are proven, at least, you know, in, in memory of those people who spent so much time and energy doing this. Absolutely. And, and they and, never had a sighting. 
and confirm confirm that they 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 were right and not try to confirm it by going up on stage and pretending to talk to them on the phone in front of an audience. Oh, oh my God, that that's got to be the craziest thing I've ever heard of. Yes. <laughs> I I've got I've got a brain exercise for your listeners to to try to go through. Uh oh. And wonderful. They, they can, this will be. They have to base it on their own individual beliefs. So we're going to go, just use this train of thought, we're going to take a date, and it's an arbitrary date, 1800. So from 1800 until today, how many species, and we're talking terrestrial animals only, nothing in the ocean because we know that there's undiscovered large animals in the ocean. So we're just talking about terrestrial animals. Since 1800, how many animals have been discovered, new species, weigh over 200 pounds as their average weight, and whose home range is as large as whatever area you think Bigfoot live in? So if you think Bigfoot live across the USA, take an area that big. If you think that the Bigfoot only live in the Pacific Northwest, take an area that large. But just see, because that's what people say all the time, we're discovering new species every year. We are. <clears throat> but most of them are either little insects, little vertebrates. Sometimes they'll discover that what they thought was one species, DNA has shown as two different species. But just look from 1800 till today, so that's over 200, you know, that's over 200 years. How many new species have they found that weigh over 200 pounds and live in whatever area you think in size you think Sasquatch live in? And if you find one, then say, okay, does it live near cities like Sasquatch do? Because people have Sasquatch sightings in subdivisions at the outside skirts of town. Mm-hmm. Right, I, exactly. I, I haven't I haven't found anything. But just just try that mentally if you're somebody that believes at all, a Sasquatch they're all over North America. Okay. What else have we not found? Well, the giant panda was confirmed in the early 1930s. That was in the bamboo jungles of China, which would be the equivalent of the Pacific Northwest, roughly. But but even with that, Thomas, now this is, okay, you can say from a Western-centric. Mm-hmm. Now, China, China knew about him, and the, the government of China was at least advanced, as advanced as Europeans were. Mm-hmm. Right? But... You just look as when you're when you're thinking of and this is where like in Tibet they found a species of horse in Tibet. Horse, okay, that's a thousand pound animal. But it lives in a valley that's seventeen kilometers long and it doesn't live anywhere else outside of that. Right, so just, right. Just go like even even the gorilla and chimpanzee, there is European stories of the sailors had seen of them that are clearly 
from the 1700s and one story that may even have gone back to the 1600s of a European sea, the gorilla and a chimpanzee. But if you want to just go from, mm. and, and you can you can use your own criteria, just say, okay, I would use when did Europeans first come and discover it, and that's fine. And I pick the and I use the year of eighteen hundred because by eighteen hundred, <coughs> the age of exploration was pretty much done. We were in all the continents, and yes, we're still going into, you know, we were still decades away from getting into the middle of, of Africa, but pick whatever date you want, whether it's 1900, 1800, pick whatever size you want, pick 200 pounds, 400 pounds, and range. But just do that exercise and just see if you can find an animal that meets the criteria that you believe Sasquatch has that's been discovered in the last 220 years. That is a challenge to our listeners, and I and I would I would love to some for somebody to get back to you and say, hey, what about this animal? Because I myself personally, yeah. I, I mean, there's been a few larger animals that they found in the Congo, which is a very large area, and then and that and that's okay. Yeah, you're talking the area, but in that case, you're also looking at a low human population. But if you know, mm-hmm. Just look at it. Get whatever criteria you want for yourself and see what you can find. That's excellent. Well, we definitely want our listeners to get a hold of us and, and uh, let us know your findings because that is, that is very interesting. So, you know, there may be hope yet. Um, you know, we're get, I can't believe an hour has gone by already. Um, but it has. We've got about a minute left, and I'll tell you, Bill, I, we really appreciate you coming on the show, and um, we definitely want to have you back because I, I could do this for the rest of the evening. <laughs> what good conversation. And in days past, we have. <laughs> yes, I'm sure, and I'm jealous. So... um yeah, that's that's a good challenge, though, for our listeners. Get a hold of us. Um, t- let me know what you guys find out. And, and don't Bill, say we appreciate your time. My list. <laughs> What's that, Thomas? I said, don't say the Kuvang Ox in Vietnam. That's on my list. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Bill. What a great show. We appreciate it. You're quite welcome. I enjoyed myself. Good. And we'll do it again. Um, Thomas, gotcha. I'll tell you, it's uh, it's been a, a heck of a journey, but uh, we'll be back again next month. Um, and uh, until then, Thomas, you take care of yourself. You too, my dear. You too. I'm glad the root canal worked out, and I'm glad it wasn't too painful. Yes, that was uh, – boy, am I, am I a big chicken or what? <laughs> I get real nervous about any type of dental stuff. It just drives me mad. Um, but listen, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of good. We've heard a lot of of, of good comments about the show um, from people. You know, that really enjoy uh, hearing Thomas's 
stories and, you know, our guests and, I mean, just a lot of good feedback. So we appreciate all of you listening. Um, And until we meet again, get out there in the woods and see what you can find.